This is Jerry Bingham, host of Hush Loudly on WGN+. Initially, when you meet them, they can be very charming, charismatic, interesting, and appealing. But they don't have the stuff, if you will, it takes to make a meaningful relationship work. Like loyalty, honesty, kindness, respect. That they can be very good at initially drawing people into a relationship with them. Hey, this is Chelsea Brooke Cole, psychotherapist specializing in narcissistic abuse, and you're listening to Hush Loudly on WGN. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Hush Loudly, where we talk about all things introverted and leadership and all that good stuff that we need to know. Today, I am excited to introduce you to Chelsea Brooke Cole. I'm going to read her bio. Chelsea is a licensed psychotherapist, author, speaker, and coach whose mission is to stop the spread of narcissism and lead introverts to a thriving, happy, confident life. Chelsea has spoken at internationally recognized universities and counseling conferences on these topics, as well as on emotional intelligence and healthy relationships. Chelsea is also a registered play therapist, board member of the Yao Foundation, Inc., and certified partner trauma therapist. Chelsea is currently writing two books, Toxic People and the Damage They Leave Behind, A Guide to Getting Back to Being You, and How to Stop Caring What People Think, An Introvert's Guide for Building Self-Trust following your intuition and defeating your inner critic. I cannot wait until these books are complete because, you know, I'm going to be ordering and reading both. So welcome, Chelsea, to Hush Loudly. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So, Chelsea, we start each program by asking if the guest is an introvert. Are you an introvert? Um, A thousand percent. I am. Yes. And an INFJ as well. I've always been one of the quiet ones, and I am happy to be one. So I started following you, I don't know when, but I know that I personally have been touched by narcissists. And it wasn't until a friend of mine, when I was talking about certain situations, and she said, she's a narcissist. And I was like, oh, And then she went into all of these things because as I described all of these experiences, she was like, yeah, that's what they do. And it was ever since then, it's like I see narcissism everywhere. And it was a great learning lesson for me because two other bosses I had after her were also narcissists. And so that got me to thinking, what is it about me? Because I'm trying to, as an introvert, you know, we reflect, we are very mm-hmm. introspective. And I'm like, what am I doing? And I, as I've read and followed you, I've learned more about me and I think what they are attracted to and all of this stuff. But that is the reason why I wanted you to come and talk because I think it's so important that we be better equipped with protecting ourselves, protecting our energy and recognizing a narcissist when we see them because they are all around us. It's not like it's a rarity. They're everywhere. So first, I'd love for you to define for us, what is narcissism? Yeah, you're definitely right. I think it is on the rise and 
if you don't know one, you probably will run into one at some point in your life. So narcissists at their core are incredibly insecure, but they hide this insecurity by doing things like being very grandiose, like I'm better than everyone. Everyone should want to do what I want them to do. They're very entitled. So things like the rules don't apply to me. So they're often very hypocritical. They have different rules for you than they do for themselves. They're also validation-seeking, so they need others' approval or praise or admiration. They often lack empathy. They don't take personal responsibility. They're not self-reflective. They're very manipulative, like always playing mind games, denying the reality, shifting blame. They're hypersensitive to criticism, very defensive. So overall, they're very antagonistic and vindictive personalities. But initially, when you meet them, they can be very charming, charismatic, interesting, and appealing. So narcissists are often really good at drawing people into a relationship with them, but they don't have the stuff, if you will, it takes to make a meaningful relationship work, like loyalty, honesty, kindness, respect, but they can be very good at initially drawing people in, which is how we get trapped before we realize what we've gotten ourselves into. It's amazing. I'm just sitting here smiling because also I've dated one. Mm. I got out of that pretty quickly. But I think it's impacted me more so in the workplace. And everything that you said, it's like the rules don't apply to them and no accountability. It's just mind blowing to me and it all being rooted in their insecurities, which is mm-hmm. fascinating. And so back to introverts. So I've read that introverts, empaths, highly sensitive people are more likely to be targeted by these narcissistic personalities. And so I wanted to ask you in your research and in your practice, do you find that to be true? And if so, why is it that they prey on us? Why do they prey on people like us? Mm -hmm. So yes, I mean, typically it's very kind-hearted, compassionate, empathetic people who are lured into these relationships. But it's not just that you're empathetic that makes you a target. It's also if you don't know how to set healthy boundaries around that empathy. So it's when you struggle to say no, to walk away if someone's words and actions don't match, to hold someone to what they said instead of making excuses or justifications for them. Or even if you hold on to ideas like everyone deserves a second chance, you often see people's potential, you just think this person will mature or grow with age or time or you know, when they get the promotion or when work isn't as stressful. And before you know it, you're already attached and you're deep into the relationship. It's also people who grew up with a narcissistic parent or had very invalidating or criticizing parents. As a child or growing up, you're vulnerable to having a relationship with a narcissist in adulthood because the hallmark of being with a narcissist is that you never feel that you're enough. Uh, Narcissists also prey on people who are in transitions Because we tend to be more vulnerable or insecure during those times. So like maybe you just moved to a new city or lost a job or a relationship ended. So we're already feeling a little off kilter ourselves or we're not as solid in who we are or what we want. And narcissists are really good at painting a picture of how amazing life would be with them or talking about their big plans or goals. So you think, you know, this is wonderful. You've met this person and they're so great and they're they're charming, charismatic, and you think, You know, you'll be able to create this amazing life with them, but this is actually something called future faking. Um, So people get stuck a lot thinking that, you know, one day things will be different. The relationship will get better. And then we can end up living on that hope for a very long time. 
Wow. And the vulnerability is hitting home with me because the person that I dated, it was right after my dad died. It was right Mm -hmm. there. And they came to the funeral and they were very, very just overly giving and accommodating and checking on me. And it was really just charming me and all of that. And I remember even asking this person, like, it's so much, you know, like, I'm not Beyonce. I I mean, I'm cute. I'm nice. I'm fun. But I'm not. It was just so much. I questioned it because Mm -hmm. something I think felt off kilter to me, but I didn't recognize what it was then. And then it took me a couple of months. And then my friend again was like, is he a narcissist? And it's like, then it, it just clicked like, that's what that is. It's still just blowing my mind. I'd like to ask you, what's the difference between narcissistic tendencies and the actual narcissistic personality disorder? Because now that I've been impacted by narcissism, more so in the workplace, but also personally, I see so many around me, but I see different things. Like, I feel like the true narcissist, the, they're a little mean, not a little bit. I see something different than I see people who I think have the tendencies and aren't necessarily mean, but they are very much into themselves and not accountable. And um, they don't play by the rules. They don't think the rules apply to them. But is there a big difference that you could share that we know what we're dealing with? The one with tendencies or the one that is a straight up narcissist and have the disorder? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what you're seeing there is narcissistic tendencies or traits can certainly range on the spectrum. So it can be someone who's just kind of emotionally stunted. They they feel like a middle schooler or high schooler and they never quite grow out of that entitled all about me and how I look mindset. They seem immature, like you said, entitled. And, and it can go to someone who's very malignant, sadistic, vindictive. So there's a big range where of what narcissism can look like. I think it's important too to note that NPD or narcissistic personality disorder is a diagnosis, which is what, you know, therapists would use to diagnose disorders. So NPD includes all the narcissistic traits that we've already talked about, but they're also, in order for someone to be diagnosed with NPD, there has to be some social or occupational impairment and subjective distress. So the narcissist has to say, my life is a mess. I'm unhappy or I feel depressed. But usually the narcissist thinks everything is fine and it's everyone else who's being treated poorly. So I I often encourage people, it's not so much about whether they even meet criteria for NPD. A narcissist can be very uh, damaging and harmful, even if they don't have that diagnosis. Because again, the narcissist has to personally say they're unhappy, there's something difficult to even get the diagnosis because that's just how it works. But as you said, there's, there's definitely a range of narcissism. Some of it can just can, can feel very uh, malignant. So the point is you just need to recognize you, mm-hmm. you as an introvert or whatever, as a person just needs to be able to, I think, acknowledge your feelings that if you feel something is off, it probably is and set these boundaries, which makes so much sense. I just hope that we reach people early enough where this message gets to them and they're able to set some boundaries and, set, and, and, and put some distance between them and these people. I wanted to ask you, what are the signs that you're working 
for or possibly dating a narcissist that you might see in the beginning. And I want to interrupt and tell you about the second narcissist that I worked for. This person basically gave me a job without even seeing my resume. They talked to me on the phone for another project and they were like, oh, I need a marketing person. You would be great. Come in and see me on Monday. And it was the middle of the pandemic. And I thought, well, okay. And I, and I told the person, I'm not looking for a job. I'm good. And so I went in and the person talked about themselves the whole time. They talked about how they dress, the way they live. They talked about how they operate. They talked about the staff. It was very disrespectful, the way that they talked about the staff. And mm-hmm. I kept their feeling like, mm, not, not necessarily a nice person. I don't know. And I went on and took the position. They gave me the position on the spot. At that point, they had seen my resume. And very, very quickly, within a couple of weeks, I noticed so many things. And I was like, he had a feeling of who I was probably over the phone. Because I think they're good at recognizing that. And and when Mm -hmm. I got there, maybe he was sizing me up to see, is she what I need to make me, you know, to do whatever I need? And then I guess I fit the bill. And so he offered me the position and I took it. And so back to your quest, my question, I'm sorry. I think I recognize those signs now, but I didn't then. So what are some signs that you think we can look for when we're possibly being interviewed or working for a narcissist or possibly dating one? Yeah. And all the signs that you just shared, I will very much echo Um, narcissistic bosses are very good at creating a competitive hierarchical environment. Narcissists thrive on drama and conflict, so it's not uncommon for them to actually instigate issues between coworkers. They lack empathy, so like your boss doesn't care if your child is sick and you need to stay home or you have some other personal issues come up. They're likely to tell you, you know, just deal with it or guilt you about how you don't take your work seriously enough. They also tend to devalue you or your work and take credit for things that you do. On the flip side, as you're sharing, which is so interesting, they might initially come across maybe very grandiose and talking about how great things are as if that's going to interest you and pull you in. Sometimes they come across very supportive and charming and you think, oh, you've just hit the jackpot. Like this work and this boss is going to be great. But you can be sure that when it comes down to it, you are going to be put under the bus and they will be the ones who come out on top. So it's so important as you're noticing any of these things. And in general, when you start any job, just keep a, first of all, get everything in writing that you can as much as possible. So have conversations and then send an email to follow up with that and say, here's what we just agreed on. This is what we just talked about. It's so important to have documentation because narcissists can come across as so charming and passive aggressive and insidious. If you don't have that paper trail and documentation, if you end up having to go to HR or leave the job or anything like that, it's going to be really difficult to prove what they said or what they did. So that documentation will be a lifesaver. Wow. I had, that's great. And, and it's funny you said that. It's like he offered me a certain salary in person that day and later offered it less. Mm-hmm. And because I wasn't looking for a job and didn't need the job, I was like, no, you said this. So it's going to be this. So he said, okay. But I'm just thinking about, right, so to avoid that in the future, if that ever happened again, it would be great if you had that 
in writing. So thank you for, for all of that. I've also been hearing about covert and overt narcissism. What's the difference? Yes, this is such an important one to understand. So overt narcissism, or what we typically hear of as a grandiose narcissist, would, would include all the things I previously described. And they're kind of like the, the stereotypical, you know, look at me, narcissist who wants a lot of attention, appears very arrogant or overly confident, has that sense of superiority, but they can also be very charming and charismatic at the same time. So somewhat they're, they're kind of appealing until you stay longer and realize what you're dealing with. But the covert or vulnerable narcissists often have a very different feel to them. So instead of coming across as super grandiose, they even come across as very sad, down on their luck, or even depressed. So people often feel sorry for them, and they can give everything to help these people. Like, you know, you don't have a car. You don't take my car. No worries. I'll take the bus. Like, where do you need to go? I'll, I'll you know, pick you up. Or they're in a transition, and they need somewhere to stay. Oh, just, you know, crash at my place. Before you know it, you know, they're there six months, a year, and they're mooching off of you and everything else. So the reality is this, the covert narcissist has the same insecurity and entitlement and grandiosity, it just looks different. So whereas a grandiose narcissist might say, you know, world, look how great I am. The vulnerable narcissist will say, why doesn't the world see how great I am? I could have been this, you know, I should have been, would have been, if only I would have been, you know, given this or helped out in this way. So they feel very wounded, like life just never treated them right. Things just never go their way. Things are unfair for them. They always have a reason nothing works out for them. But but then no matter how much you help or offer to help, they never change or get any better. And you can see how these vulnerable narcissists are especially good at pulling in helpers and people with big hearts because you initially think, oh, this person's just down on their luck. They need some help. I'll help them because you're, you know, you're just a giving person. But before you know it, you have nothing left to give because they've taken everything because a narcissist is like a vacuum like an empty well. You can never do enough for them. And that's why we often feel like we're never good enough in these relationships. Wow. Is one more dangerous than the other, the covert or, and the overt, or are they like the same? They can definitely cause the same amount of damage and harm, but I think the vulnerable narcissists are, are harder to spot initially and they can because they kind of come across as just almost wounded and, and down their luck. So they don't um, appear initially as, as harmful. So I think in that way, the covert narcissist can be more passive aggressive and it can be harder to spot, which means you can get more people to feel sorry for them. But the amount of damage they do is really the same. Wow. I want to go back to reporting to a narcissist. So when you realize it, so when I've realized it, I've left. I've been fortunate enough to be able to get another job or whatever I needed to do. But I know that may not be as easy for everyone else. When you realize that you're reporting to this person, what can you do? How do you manage up? How can you manage them while also protecting yourself? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, if at all possible, I always encourage people to make a game plan to leave a narcissistic work environment. Because you can only be around poison so long before you start to get sick. So that's really the, the longer term game plan. The strategies that I can share are, are helpful, though, for the short term, as you are hopefully making a plan to be able to leave. But 
some things, you know, that you can do once you understand who you're dealing with is kind of learn to play the narcissist game. So we know narcissists are always validation seeking, are self-consumed and they lack empathy. So, you know, give compliments to them. You know, that was such a great idea. You look nice today. Wow, I'm so grateful to learn from you. Um, Of course, recognizing that you're doing this for a short amount of time and basically you're just trying to manage this narcissist because you're not going to change them. So understanding and having reasonable expectations is a must. Also, don't share your struggles with them because they will store them away to use them against you later or try to make you look bad. And also don't share your best ideas with them because they'll take credit for them. And in general, have as little interaction with them as possible. As always, when we're dealing with a narcissist, get everything in writing, keep a record of conversations, work deadlines or projects that were discussed, who agreed to do what, responsibilities. So you always have that to refer back to as needed. Wow. So I was doing some of these things without even realizing it and before understanding this term narcissist. The compliments that that first boss I had needed constant validation. And I just played right into it. And I knew I was doing it to help me. You know, I knew it was a way to keep her at bay. And even outfits. She'd come in my office and be like, see, this is, I bought a new outfit. Or either she'd just come in and it was a look on her face. I knew it meant something to her. So I'd say, oh, that's cute. Oh, those are cute shoes. Whether I mm-hmm. thought they were cute or not, but and it's, it's funny how it started to feel like a part-time job managing up in that way. Not only did I have a really big, important job, but I also had to manage this narcissist because I knew the danger that was there before I even knew that that's what she was. So this is just blowing my mind. And that, that leads me to this executive level stuff. So this person was the CEO. And so I am finding as I'm just talking to more people, I mean, there are a number of people who may be in executive level CEO, C-suite positions who also are narcissists and they are just like this person, underqualified, insecure, an awful manager, because usually it seems like everything is about them and their legacy and they don't care about the people or anything else. It frustrates me that this keeps happening. Why is our society, and I know this is not your fault, you're not society, but I'm just so, I'm irritated that we keep putting these people in places and positions of power. And I'm seeing in the cases of the few that I know, they are destroying the organization because good people are leaving or they're firing them. So why is it that you think our society keep putting people like this in leadership positions? That may be an unfair question, but what's your expert opinion on that? I mean, I totally agree. I'm right there with you. It is very upsetting to see. I can't tell you how many of my clients have had to leave their positions or careers that they had worked for their whole life because they had a narcissistic boss and it just became miserable. Or, you know, I've had some clients who've even went to HR and basically had HR gaslight them and tell them, you know, mm-hmm. then why did you stay here? Why did you work with them if it was so bad? I mean, it's so set up to protect the narcissist. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, these C-suite positions and things like that, often the highest positions don't go to the most empathetic people. They go to the people who get things done. And mm-hmm. a lot of times in our culture, we value or idolize the, quote, successful person 
who's charming, seems super confident, has money or status or good looks. And narcissists can be very singularly focused on achievements or getting ahead. So they're not worried about who they hurt in the process. Now, ultimately, as you as you've shared, I think this is more damn than it is good. I think we should be able to have empathetic leaders and more and more research is coming out about how important emotional intelligence is, which narcissists lack. They have very little emotional intelligence. So we're seeing that in the long term to really create healthy, supportive work environments, we need empathetic leaders, not just leaders who are willing to be vindictive and competitive and, quote, get things done. So I do hope with more support and more research um, on how damaging these toxic relationships are and how insidious and passive-aggressive and, and you know, toxic they make these work environments that ultimately we'll have more empathetic leaders and, um, you know, in CDC suite positions. But I totally agree. It is highly, highly damaging when they get into work environments or, or cultures, the damage that they can do. Yeah, destroying the whole place. What happens if you confront a narcissist? <laughs> well, we know narcissists um, are not self-reflective and they're very insecure. So whenever they feel they are being uh, threatened or questioned, they will act passive-aggressively or rage at you. So if you call them a narcissist or tell them they're a narcissist, most likely they would tell you, you're crazy, paranoid, ridiculous, you need to go see a therapist, just very downplaying of anything you say. Or if they're passive-aggressive, they might say things like, I can't believe you would think that of me or try to guilt you for saying that or, quote, accusing them of being a narcissist. And a lot of times, eventually, people will back down and say sorry or end up apologizing and then not even bring it up again. Because as I said, narcissists are not self-reflective. They're very insecure. So anytime you try to bring up their behaviors, they will deflect, deny, dismiss, guilt trip you, rage at you. So it's never going to be this you know, life-changing moment that we hope it will be. Often, we will leave feeling quite terrible. So I suggest people educate themselves quietly, understand what you're dealing with, but bringing it up to the person and trying to address it with them will almost inevitably backfire. How did I know you were going to say that? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And well, one last thing about this, how can you make them leave you alone? So if you have a friend who's a narcissist, you have a boss, we know we talked about your short-term plan, but your long-term plan is you need to get away. But when you are in their midst, um, what can you do to make them leave you alone but not destroy you, especially in the workplace? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a few options here, depending on the level of interaction you have to have with the narcissist. So, of course, if you work with them or you have to co-parent with them or they're in your family, going no contact and just you know cutting off all communication may not be possible or you may not want to because they might have that might have other repercussions and, and cause other risks or difficulties with family members that you do want to stay close to. So the next best thing is going gray rock or practicing firewalling. So I'll explain those. Going gray rock is about becoming as interesting to the narcissist as a literal gray rock. So your responses become (laughs) very minimal. You know, you say things like, hmm, yes, no, maybe, hmm, I see. And you're not responding to their attempts to bait you. And eventually narcissists will get bored because you're not giving them enough attention and validation. So they will move on to seek another source of supply. Firewalling is about 
keeping the most precious and vulnerable parts of you away from the narcissist. So much like a firewall protects us from, you know, suspicious or harmful internet traffic, firewalling a narcissist means you do not share with them the most meaningful parts of you. You don't share your hopes, your dreams, the ups and downs of life, things that are going well, things that are not going well, things you're passionate about. You act as your own firewall to keep the harmful people out and you only let the good people in. Wow. I love that. I love, okay. love that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for, for, for that advice. What about people who are married to narcissists? I mean, do you think they, do they figure it out one day? You know, I, I just feel for them if you're in a relationship, when you said co-parenting, that mm-hmm. just really kind of touched me. I hadn't even thought about that. What if your ex is a narcissist and you're trying to co-parent? But what about if you're married to one? How, how do you, I mean, is there hope for them? They just have to figure it out themselves? Yeah, when you can finally start to recognize it, I mean, a lot of it is taking your power back because you have felt like you've questioned yourself for so long. You've wondered what's wrong with you because you might have even tried couples counseling with a narcissist, which is pretty much the worst idea because you might find that even the therapist believes the narcissist and they end up gaslighting you because oftentimes you will be exhibiting you know, symptoms of anxiety and depression and overthinking and no motivation and difficulty just functioning throughout the day, constant self-criticism because you're in this relationship. So awareness and understanding what you're dealing with is vitally important. And then the next two things is once you see it, if if you choose to stay, which, you know, I, I always tell people there's no judgment on either because for a myriad of reasons, you might leaving might not be the the best thing or the thing that you want to do. So if you choose to say the most important thing though is to manage your expectations and no longer deny your reality. So instead of saying I'm in a relationship with this person uh, and they treat me poorly, but I'm sure things will change or it's because of their bad childhood or, you know, I'm sure I just need to communicate better. Stop saying but and just say and. I'm in a relationship and they treat me this way. One of the most powerful things we can do is stop denying what is happening and see it for what it is because then you can move to acceptance. This is not going to change. I see it for what it is. Now, much like we were talking about with an narcissistic boss or in a work environment, you manage your expectations. Throw them a little validation sometimes, keep them happy, and then you go about building your meaningful life. So having things you're passionate about having a career you enjoy, having a solid social network and friends and people you can hang out with or share your feelings with. You need that, but understand that it's not going to be your narcissistic spouse. So managing expectations and then building a meaningful life outside of that relationship will be your lifeline. Wow. Okay. And we are running out of time. I am so enjoying this conversation, this education, because this is what it is. I wanted you to be able to just tell people how they can follow you and reach you for therapy. And, and then my next question is, is your practice just for narcissistic abuse or are you a therapist for any sort of emotional or so, so tell us more about what you offer and how people can reach you and follow you and read your great blogs and articles that you post. Yeah. So I see people with a wide variety of issues. I've seen anxiety, depression, PTSD. My specialties are, you know, narcissistic abuse, relationship trauma, 
children's issues and, you know, working with betrayed partners of sex addicts. So a lot of my practice is uh, relationship focused and helping people heal those childhood wounds or heal any family wounds or relationship trauma or issues they may have. But as I said, I work with people with, you know, a wide variety of concerns, but you can Google my name and a bunch of stuff comes up. That's where you can find my blogs and I'm on all the social media channels, you know, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn. But if someone's really resonated with what we've been talking about here, um, as you mentioned, I have an upcoming books coming out. Toxic People and the Damage They Leave Behind, A Guide to Getting Back to Being You. And if people are interested, you can sign up to be notified when that's released at my website, chelseabrookcole.com slash notify me. And you can find a whole bunch of other resources there as well and and contact me from there. Okay, thank you. And we'll put the link up on our post as well so that people can easily find you. Thank you, Chelsea Brooke Cole. You have been a joy. Thank you for educating and informing us here on Hush Loudly today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Enjoying Hush Loudly? Please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to us. Did you know Hush Loudly has t-shirts? Yep. Show the world you're an introvert without saying a word. We also have t-shirts for the extroverts in our lives who lead us. Go to hushloudly.com slash shop.